and they were amazed. He could make the deaf hear and the mute speak. Not the first time, certainly not the last. But Jesus oftentimes amazed people by doing the unexpected, by doing that which surprised individuals and groups. We're going to focus on those words at this time, and we do so in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So it's Labor Day. And with Labor Day come all kinds of traditions. Some say it's the end of summer, although I'm not so sure our weather will show that. <laughs> Some say it's the beginning of football, and of course that's true. It certainly is. We were just in Minnesota recently, and in Minnesota there's a law that public schools can't start till the day after Labor Day. So in Minnesota, it's the beginning of school. But did you know that the first Labor Day was in 1894? And it was declared a national holiday by law to give credit to raise up and support of working people, hence the name. It came at the end of a vicious strike against the Pullman Railroad Car Company. And it was an effort to try to give support and to recognize the hard work of people. Well, it still is that, although in many different ways. And so it's Labor Day, it's a tradition, it's a law for us here in the United States. In our gospel lesson for today that we just heard, we hear Jesus talking about traditions. And we hear Jesus challenging traditions when they get in the way of God's love for people. The first part of that chapter in Mark, Jesus had encountered the scribes and the Pharisees. And the scribes and the Pharisees had come up to Jesus and they had said to him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but they eat with, with defiled hands? Why do your disciples violate the traditions of our people? Well, Jesus goes on to explain that tradition is tradition, but when tradition gets in the way of the way of God or the law of God, then traditions ought to be violated or changed. So today, we see Jesus venturing into, venturing into Gentile territory. He wants to get away. He's been overwhelmed by people. And his desire is to get away for quiet and rest, maybe a holiday. And so he goes off into Gentile territory, land of the Greeks, Tyre and Sidon. And he thinks that if I get away, 
from all these people, I can have some quiet time. Well, little did he know, his reputation had already preceded him. And even though he was in the land of the Gentiles, his reputation as one who loved, one who had authority, but especially as one who healed the sick, who cared for the least important people. And so he gets to a house, and lo and behold, a mother shows up. And she shows up because she's heard of the reputation of Jesus, and she's heard that he can heal. And her daughter is possessed by a demon. And so she comes and she begs Jesus to heal. Now, there's tradition. There's tradition that Jews and Gentiles don't meet and don't interact. There's tradition that a, a Jewish man doesn't talk to a Gentile woman. And so Jesus says something which really sounds out of character for him. At least it's so different than what we would expect. Jesus, following tradition, calls her a dog. A dog. Now that's a great insult. That's a great put down. And Jesus says, it's not right for me to give to you a Gentile or to your daughter a Gentile what I've come to give to the Jewish children. It's not right for me to feed you what I've come to feed the Jews. But she doesn't give up. She is desperate to find a way to get her healing for her daughter, and she believes that Jesus can do it. In fact, in Matthew's Gospel, when he tells the story, he says, because of her great faith, Jesus responds. And she says, but Lord, even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. And Jesus commends her for her persistence and for her faith. And she says, go home, your daughter's healed. Tradition never gets in the way of God. Tradition never gets in the way of the love of God being demonstrated for the least of these. Then there's a second story. Another Gentile. He's a man who's deaf, cannot speak, probably from birth. And he pleads with Jesus and they plead for him that Jesus might heal him. Now notice what Jesus does in that story. He takes the man off to the side. He doesn't do something in front of everybody, but rather he takes the man off by his, himself, puts his fingers in his ears, spits on his tongue, and the man is healed. Again, Jesus showing the love of God 
to one who's not a Jew, but a Gentile. Now I wonder, why was that so important? The scribes and Pharisees weren't there. The other Jewish leaders weren't there. They wouldn't have known. But the disciples were there. And Jesus is trying to teach the disciples the love of God goes out for people regardless of tradition. And to demonstrate and teach for his disciples the love of God shown through Jesus Christ for the least of these. Two healing miracles, wonderful stories. God's love poured out for those who are hurting. It's interesting to note in Mark's gospel that these two parables of healing of individuals are sandwiched between two great miracles of Jesus. Just prior, we had the feeding of the 5,000 where Jesus does this dramatic miracle of feeding those who are hungry over 5,000. And then in Mark's gospel, right after this, Jesus goes back into the Jewish territory and begins his teaching again, and there's the feeding of the 4,000. Two huge mega miracles, I guess we could say, of Jesus. But in between is the love of God for two Gentile people. You see, Jesus wants us to know that God pours out his love for everyone who is hurting. That God cares for everyone. And when Christ dies on that cross, he dies for everyone. That's why the James reading that we did a little earlier when James talks about the fact that we as the people of God ought not to show partiality. We ought not to look at people based upon their status or their income or their race or their position in life, but rather as people loved by God. And so James says, so we ought not to show partiality. And then he goes on to say, so why is it that if a rich man comes into your presence, you bend over backwards to show attention to that person. But if a poor man comes into your attention, you simply say, well, you can sit at my feet. That's not what God does. God's love poured out for everyone, including the least of these. So it's Labor Day weekend, a great tradition. And we celebrate and give thanks to God that those of us who are working have jobs. And we give thanks to God that those of us who are retired are living <laughs> off of our jobs in our retirement. But we also realize that there are many among us who are unemployed, who are homeless, who are in need of our love and care. Statistic the other day, just, just a, a little one that we don't even think about, a statistic the other day is one-fifth 
of all community college students in Southern California are homeless or food deprived. We don't even think about that. To realize that we who are so blessed by God are called by God to reach out in whatever way we're able to those who are less fortunate than we are. To touch in the name of Jesus, the person on the street, the student who's struggling, the individual who has not found work or cannot work. We celebrate the joy and the blessings that God gives to us through Jesus Christ, that we are loved and we are blessed, that we might be a blessing to others around us. Father, we thank you that you have touched us and loved us so much. We thank you for the blessings that you give to us. We pray, Father, now on this weekend as we celebrate the opportunity and the blessings of work, that we think also of those who are in need of employment, of those who are suffering. We ask your blessings, Father, for them through us. In the name of Jesus, amen.